Now the Lord said, no light. Now there's no light. <laughs> Good morning, church. Good... How's your morning going so far? You know, uh, it is uh, great to be here at Artesia High School. It is great to be with friends and family. It's great to have new friends here. So if you're new and it's your first time, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to come and join our fellowship here in uh, the Metro East Ministries. My name is Doug Lovegren and my wife is May Lovegren. We have the awesome privilege of serving as the minister and women's ministry leader here. We've been here three years and we look forward to being here 30, 30 more, however the Lord wants that one. But, uh, you know, it is, uh, it is great to say that I call Cerritos home. This is my community. This is my home. This is my people. And, uh, you know, for uh, three years ago, as I was praying around my neighborhood when we first got here, I was praying, God, Open the doors where you want us to meet and worship. And here we are across from the Artesia High School where I walk by every morning in my prayer walk. And so I'm grateful to see that a dream is realized. Uh, I'm so, so thankful to be together. I appreciate Dale sharing. Uh, I did not want God's vengeance on him as he worked out. I want to clarify some things before we get started. I love that about being a minister sometimes is you get to hear what's going on in the early end and you can get to close out. And I already worked a deal with Amir, so Amir's got my back at the back end. But you know, we are training for a marathon. And I'm actually training for the half marathon. My faith is not there. Next Sunday morning about 6 o'clock I will be and Jerry and Lisa and a bunch of others will be on our way running our half marathon in Huntington Beach. So I'm excited. My legs are killing me right now. And I'm so great to be with you guys. I've got to take my eyes off myself and be able to preach the word this morning. But, uh, you know, it's, it's been great training. But it's also been a challenge. And uh, so it's, uh, you know, as Dale was training, I told him, you know, be careful. A lot of my friends back in the day, they play basketball and they, you know, your pride gets the best of you. And if you're, if you're an athlete and you're getting older, and I'm not that old, Dale. Um, but if you're an athlete and you're getting older, you know, sometimes your body, can't, you can't write the checks with your body that you used to. Uh, you got to be careful because, you know, the old competitive spirit is alive and well. I don't care how old I've become, I think I can still do things that I can't do anymore. And so I just said, you know, bro, just be mindful that, that morning. Just I'll pray for you. And lo and behold, unfortunately, something happened. I don't think it's God's vengeance on you trying to humble you personally. I just think it's, I think God just, you know, allows things to happen to get our attention. And not, not because you're bad or you've done something bad. But I think, you know, God allows things for reasons that I don't know. And as a minister, the more I've done ministry, the more I don't know. And the more I've got to rely on God and rely on His Word for direction for my life and rely on a fellowship like this to be able to turn to to say, hey, I need some help. Hey, can you run the half marathon with me? Because my faith is not there. But you know what? I'm excited to run next Sunday. Please pray for me that nothing bad happens. I ran seven miles yesterday. I felt like I ran 30. I looked like I ran probably 40. My wife said, man, I was red as a beet. But... Uh, I'm working, and I'm working out, and I'm working on losing on some weight, and I'm excited about pushing my body where it hasn't been in a while. But you know, life got to be about doing things with life with other people, and that's what I love about what we're doing. But welcome to, to Artesia High School. Uh, we do have on the back table, for those who are visiting with us that don't have a Bible, please take a Bible. You can go there if you want now. There's a Bible there if you want to be able to read with. Uh, please leave them on the way out. There's invitations there on the back table as well. 
And also there's a sheet there on the back there that lets you know our services for the next six months. So if you kind of want to know what we're doing, if you want to follow with us with the Bible. One thing I love about this church that I've been a part of 17 years is that we really make sure the Bible is the standard for our life. We don't want to follow the preachers, although preachers are great and they're dynamic and different and special and they're unique in their own ways. I'm glad to say that I've been a disciple 17 years and I follow Jesus. I love the speakers as dynamic as they are in the church, but we don't follow man. And so we got to make sure this morning, please take a Bible in the back if you want to make sure we do follow the Bible. So please get your Bibles out and open them to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. You know, uh, new starts are always exciting. You know, I started training for the marathon about uh, two months ago. And then during the holidays, you know how you kind of fall off the rocker? I fell off the rocker. But then I had, you know, my brother and sister remind me about Matthew 5.37. You know, the Bible says, simply, yet your yes be yes, you know, be no anything else is from the devil. You did say you were going to run the half marathon, right, Doug? Yes, that means my yes be yes, my no be no. So I got back on the saddle of training for the half marathon. Now, I was supposed to run the full, but after talking to my dad and others, they were giving me, you know, great counsel. At not, not, not pushing myself beyond my limits. If I tried 26.2 miles next Sunday, I would absolutely die. So I didn't want to go there. But I love starting things new. You know, are you for your faith, are you starting things new in your own life? In your family? What are you doing new? Or is it just same-o, same-o? I just don't like life same-o, same-o. I don't like do, doing the mundane things in and out. Having the same songs, having the same structure, having the same thing speaking. I mean, it's, it's, I love newness. I love freshness. I love starting new. I love new locations. I love new cars. I love new restaurants I've never been to. Scary at times, but I love being new. I finally went to Tofu House. A little bit scary. Didn't know how to eat, but they brought the food out. I enjoyed it. It was rather interesting, but I love trying new things. Now, I think for us as, as human beings, we need to get comfortable with being new. We need to get comfortable without being comfortable, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's easy to kind of get comfortable. Well, I like coming here. We've always come here. Well, we always have this and we always have that. I like different because it's important to know that it's not about me anyway. It's about God. It's about me working through life and going in a certain direction. Yeah, we look forward to really building in Artesia and building in Lakewood and in Cerritos and the surrounding communities. I really believe what our city needs the most is not big churches, but we need to bring church to people. Yeah. We need to come down to our communities. You know, where you live, it's easy to kind of go in and out your house. Open the garage door, pull in, shut the garage door, go inside, watch your TV show, get your DVR, check the games, check the shows. What, go back to put the kids to bed, go to bed, wake up, do the whole thing over again. And I really believe the thing that we need the most is not just bringing people to church. We need to bring the church to people. And I really believe not having 20 services in L.A., but what about 40 or 50 or 100 services just in Cerritos alone? Imagine having church in your house and inviting your neighbors and saying, hey, let's come and worship Jesus. I really believe what we're excited about having first century faith. We've got to go back to the basics. You've got to go back to when you, when you want to get in shape, you've got to go back to the basics. You gotta go back to training and discipline. And although it's challenging, it will help you and invoke your life to feel like you're living the way God wants you to live. You know, let's pray, prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the Lord's word. Amen? Let's pray. God, we're so grateful to uh, have another day of life. God, we're so grateful to be able to feel pain in our calves because we have them. 
We're so grateful to, to, to let ourselves push ourselves and push our bodies where we've never been before because it helps us grow and be better. God, we're so thankful for new relationships. We're so thankful for the obstacles you put in our path. And I really pray, God, for each soul that's in hearing distance of this prayer, that each person would be enriched in their faith, that each person would be inspired and challenged to go where they've never gone before in their own life. I pray you really put a fragrant offer on each person's finances and their family and their extended family. And God, please put a hedge around the health of the ministry here today. The physical health with our families and extended families. And be with those who are coping with pain. And I appreciate our dear sister Jerry sharing the, the pain of losing someone so, so dear to her and her family. And we know so many are losing our, our family and our, our fathers and our mothers. And Father, we're getting older and, and our life is not getting any younger. And I pray that we would humbly bow before you and ask for guidance and counsel and ask for people in our lives to help us be our best for you. God bless our time in your word. We love you. We need you. The church prays in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, a scripture many of us are familiar with. But I would like to do something different. I'm a kind of a new kind of guy like I talked about, right? We're going to put yourself in a scenario this morning. You have one minute. Take a piece of paper out, please, every single one. If it's the kids, please put the games away. I grew up going to church with my folks sitting next to my dad listening to the sermon. So will you. But go ahead and take a piece of paper out and a pen or borrow a pen or pencil from someone next to you. And I would like to have an activity for all of us to do. Make sure we don't fall asleep, Amen. You're like, okay, man, 25 minutes, 30, 30, I got, that's all Doug's got right here. Now I'm going to take a little bit more time. Take a piece of paper out. Get a pencil out. You can take your computer out if you got it, like Joe Landy, that's cool, you're good. And here's the scenario, okay? All of us individually have been in a car accident. Now I don't condone that that happens today, so please, that's not my heart and my prayer. You've been in a car accident. You have one minute to live. I would like for you, and I will time you, I have my timing here, to write down your last words. What would you like to say in your last minute of living? I'm going to give you seven seconds to think about that. And then when I say start, you're going to write your last words. Are we in agreement? Does everyone understand what I'm saying? And see, I'm going to give you a little bit more time, about 15 more seconds to think about that. You've been in a car accident. You've got one, lot, one minute to live. Write down your last words. On your marks. Get set. Go. Last 10 seconds of your breath. Five, four, 
three, the paramedics are here, two, one, you're gone. Put your pencils down. Now, I did this for the sole purpose of talking about my sermon today. But I think it's important for us to get a healthy understanding of the preciousness of life. You know, we're never guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed the next hour. All you have is what you've given me is your time over the next 30 minutes that I get a chance to speak. And I think it's important for us to not just come and let the minister do the teaching for you, but I think it's important for us to be a part of what's happening today. You know, interesting that someone's last words contain a lot of what you hold dear to you. What are some of the things that you wrote down? Just some thoughts. Be with my family. Be with my family. What Take else? Dad. I'm sorry? Take care of dad. Take care of dad. Forgive me of my sins. Perspective. Reflecting. What else? God and Jesus. God and Jesus. What about him? Just God and Jesus. Thank you. Grateful for them. Grateful for them. I told my wife I love her and I was grateful for her and help the kids be faithful Yep. Brent's thinking about the family. Thinking about Debbie. Be with them. Right? Thinking about ways to connect with them and make sure they know he has love for them. Maria. Um, that my husband will be supported and that my mother and brother will become Okay, she helped that someone else can come to Christ and get to know Jesus. What else? Some of your last words, Carol. I pray that my life has been pleasing to God. The way I live my life Okay. Pleasing that your life will be pleasing to God. What else? Grateful for the life given to me. Please provide comfort and joy and protect my family to the end. Great. Talking about family, protect them. Yes, the gentleman in the back. Save my soul. Save my soul. Right? Dear Lord, help me. We need some help right now. Yes, Veronica. Uh-huh. Okay, good. Family. Barbara. Mm. Out of the mouths of babe. I love that. You know, someone's last words are powerful. Your last minutes of life puts everything in perspective. You don't think about what you're going to have for dinner. You don't even care about what the weather's like. You don't even care what kind of socks you're wearing. When you don't have time on earth and your life is flowing and leaving amongst the earth today, we have some questions that we need to ask ourselves. You know, someone's last words reveal a lot. One thing we have in common is that we all face death. Now, I'm not trying to put a doom and gloom on the spirit of service today. But I'm trying to put a healthy understanding that you are not promised mañana. That's today for those English-speaking brethren. Tomorrow. See, I'm just checking, see? See, just checking if you're listening. I'm trying to find different ways. Got to pique your interest. Got to keep it fresh up here. Mañana is tomorrow. But you know what? We're not guaranteed tomorrow. No, no, nobody is. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what kind of race you are, what kind of looks you got. I don't really care. Death says, I don't care how much you make. I don't care what you bring to the table. I don't care what you're going to bargain with me for. Death is guaranteed for all of us. But if someone gave you their last words, what would you do with them? Would you, would you kind of, well, thank you for your last words. Tuck them away and put them somewhere. 
No, I think, I think our hearts are, are very similar. And that's where God designed us. Is that God designed us to care. God designed us to have a heart. And I really believe if someone gave you their last words, you'd take them seriously. You'd actually make sure they get to the people they're going to be delivered to. And you know, it's, it's power for us to really realize what would you do if you only had a minute to live? You know, this past week, we lost one of the most winningest football coaches in our nation's history, Joe Paterno. I mean, thousands of people flocked to his funeral. But he's just like us. He might have won a lot of football games, but he's just like us. We all face our maker one day. We all face death. And you know, there's some famous last words I want to share with us this morning. Al Capone said, My Jesus, mercy on my soul. Frank Sinatra's last words, The best is yet to come. Take me now. John Quincy Adams' famous words and last words, This is the last of earth. I am content. Here I come. Alexander the Great said, A tomb now suffices him for whom the world was not enough. Mel Blanc, the epitaph of the trademark line of cartoon character Porky Pig, for those who didn't know who he was. He said, that's all, folks. <laughs> Winston Churchill, he said, I'm ready to meet my maker. Whether my maker is prepared for the great ordeal of meeting me is another matter. <laughs> Betty Davis, not her eyes, but Betty Davis said, she did it the hard way. Wyatt Earp, a famous cowboy, says, Nothing so sacred as honor, and nothing so loyal as love. Joan Crawford, to her housekeeper, said, Stop praying for me. Don't you dare pray for me. Flight 93 on September 11th, that tragic day we'll never forget in our nation's history. The operator of the phone that was on the airplane that night, that day, excuse me, the last words that, that was heard in by the operator was, are you guys ready? Let's roll. And the tape was cut. Someone's last words, we'd treat them with special honor. We'd hand deliver the note. We'd be more careful. We'd be more cognizant of what's happening, of what they're trying to communicate. Turn your Bibles with me. Hopefully you're there already. Matthew 28, verse 16. And right now we're going to focus on Jesus' last words before He ascended up to heaven to be with God. And these are His last words that He speaks to His followers. And as Christians, these are words that we should keep near and dear to our hearts. Not as a, a feeling of guilt or I'm unworthy, but a feeling of sobriety. A feeling of, what's Jesus' focus for me with His last words? My sermon simply entitled, Jesus' last words. The Bible says in Matthew 28, verse 16, Then the eleven disciples, they went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of age. 
You know, these last words differ from ours. Ours are more family. Tell my mom and dad. Hey, help my brother and sister. More of a connection relationally. And I think that's a healthy way because that's the way God designed us, is to be in relationships. Excuse me. To be in a partnership. to, To think and crave connection. And that's the way we relate. But the amazing thing about Jesus, He's not talking about just relationships. He's not just talking about love. He's not saying, hey, I'm going to miss you. Hey, you know, be careful. Jesus' last words were, were, were inspiration. They were directional. They, they, they were commands from God. Because see, God, Jesus was God's son. And he knew God's plan for the whole life that he led. But it's important for us to understand, Jesus' last words are profound. They're powerful. They're They're morsels that we should treasure and we should keep with us and not just throw aside and neglect. But they're important for us to meditate on and focus on. And I want to make four observations of things that Jesus mentions in His last words. That They're my four points. And for me, when I think of Jesus' last words, I think of His credentials. I think of Jesus' credentials. He says something that's pretty profound. He says something that not very many people can say these days. Verse 18, the Bible says, Then Jesus came to them and He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Just stop right there. We're going to take this verse by verse. I mean, if you just look at what He says there, All authority in heaven and on earth is under My charge. I'm the man, not Mr. Dozekis. I'm the man. I'm the most interesting man alive. In that vernacular, we can understand and we can relate. But, but for those that don't understand, see, for me, you know, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the man. Do you want to know anything? I got the answers for you. Whether they're on heaven or they're on earth, let me help you out. Let me give you some perspective with your thing called life. You know, last week we talked about What did Jesus say? Being a wise builder or foolish? The wise builder did what? Heard Jesus' words and then did what? Did what they said. That's the person who God can help be wise. But the person who hears the words but does nothing about them is the person that's foolish. We don't want to build on sand, but isn't that how we try and attempt to go through this thing called life? We develop ways and then and we go back to God and then we, then we develop other ways and we win the lottery or we, we, we get this promotion and we get this pay grade and we, we start getting, making all this money we've never made and all of a sudden, God becomes on the back burner. And I think Jesus is trying to say, hey, my credentials are legitimate. I am too legit to quit, MC Hammer would say. I'm dating myself, but I'm going to go there. And so here's Jesus spending time with these guys for two or three years and it's time for him to go. And the thing that he says is, I just want to let you know, whatever questions you got about up there or down there, I got you on that. I can help you understand. I can help you really get an understanding of where you're going and the direction you're headed. You know, Jesus has all authority. Jesus knows what we need, even today. I mean, for me, I love Jesus. Jesus is the most written about guy in the whole planet. There are more books about Jesus than any educational book out there. The book here, the Bible, is the most sold book every year, hand over foot. But it's the least read. 
So many times we, we want the Bible for, for how it looks and we've got it at home and it looks good and we carry it, but do we really hold to what the Bible teaches? And we, and we rely on the minister or, or the deacon or the evangelist or, or the pastor or the shepherd or whoever is over the church to be the one, the only one to read the Bible. And I want us as a church, and that's why I love our church, let's make sure it's about the Bible. What's the Bible say? Not what Doug says and his funny words and his funny jokes and his great illustrations, but, but what does the Bible say when it boils down to it? And for me, I love Jesus. Jesus is my hero. No longer Michael Jordan. He was. You walked in my room, I had every poster of MJ, every shoe he had, every basketball card he had. I had three of his rookie cards. I had everything MJ. But when I found Jesus, I said, whoa, hello, i got to get some perspective on this thing called life. I don't want to become more and more like MJ. Look at his life now. Not to judge, but to say, hey, you know, if it's not putting God first, man, your life is in for some trouble. And so for me, understanding, Jesus says, I've got all authority. I'm the man. Any questions with heaven and earth, I've got all the answers. These last words are profound. I mean, name one person. Go ahead. Name one person that's lived this life, that's talked about following God, that's lived his life righteously, purely, that died, that was buried, and was resurrected. Anyone? Any names? Who's done it? Anybody? Can you think of one person other than Jesus? I mean, in my 41 years, I just gave my age, 41 years of living, Dale, I'm young. In my 41 years of living, I can't name one person who's done that. Not one. Not one religious leader. I mean, I think of a guy in Waco, Texas, David Koresh, said, I'm the, right, I'm the living Savior. Where's he? His ashes. We have no idea, but he's not back. He didn't come back and say, hey, look at me. I've got a new life for you. See, Jesus says, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back. And then I'm going to tell you how to live your life and I'm going to go back to God. And, and when it's your time, when your time is ready, let me know so I can help you be with your maker. See, Jesus, his words are powerful and true. His last words are meaningful. Jesus is the man. I don't care who it is. LeBron James, he ain't got game on Jesus. He can't hold a candle to Jesus. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to go to the other vernacular of different things. But, but for me, do you understand my points? Jesus has the credentials. He's got the degrees necessary. He's been there, done that. He's raised from this thing called death that you're all going to face. And He knows how to get to be with God. Doesn't He deserve your attention? Doesn't He deserve your time? Well, you know, I'm busy. No, no, no. I know you're busy. But are you following the man? Or are you following your plan? See, I don't care what religious leader it is. Jesus is the only one that can tell us what's going to happen and how to live this thing called life. One of my favorite scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Turn over there. Keep your finger here because we're going to come back to it. If anyone can get me a water, I'm just really parched up here. I'd really appreciate it. Probably didn't drink enough from running yesterday, but it's not going to stop me from preaching His words. So 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. And, and, and the thing that I appreciate about our, our Bible Talk Thursday, we just talked about Jesus. You know, when's the last time you wrote down all the things you love about Jesus? The qualities that He has. I mean, He's everything that you need. If you're a teenager or a preteen, don't listen to the peer pressure. Let me tell you what, they're going to tell you and promise you everything, and their return on investment is zero. 
They can promise you the world. Thank you, bro. They can tell you what you can do. They can tell you, this drug's going to make you feel greater. But for the long haul, there's no return on your investment. But see, as a teenager or a preteen, you've got your own life to live. And, and we as parents have a responsibility. And we as, as a church have a responsibility to love our kids and to help our kids be their best for God, not to be the best. And, and, and for me... I want to encourage us with this scripture that says that 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. See, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from who? From God, who reconciled us to Himself through who? Through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Amen? And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. I mean this scripture Paul makes it clear to the church in Corinth. It's all about Jesus. Why do I do what I do? Jesus is my single most important motivating factor. My relationship with my wife is amazing. I love her. But the most important relationship I have is with Jesus. Is with God. Is with the Bible. And you go, well, Doug, that's a little bit religious. It's not religious when you look at what the scriptures teach. Because I don't want you to be religious. I want you to have Christianity the way the Bible teaches. Not the way the world teaches it. The way the world teaches it is, hey, it's fast food Christianity. Get it your way, right away, however way you want it. Just make sure you feel good. Have you ever felt good about something and not felt good about life? I mean, when I was in college, I drank and I felt good. But then I would suffer some consequences of drinking too much alcohol. See, a lot of something doesn't make you feel the right things that are important for us. The thing that Paul is trying to get us across is that Christ's love must compel us. Not a church, not a building, not where they meet, but, but Christ. Christ is enough. His credentials are all that matters. The second thing, back in Matthew 28, turn over there. Not only does Jesus have His credentials, but number two, Jesus here, He gives gives us a commission. He tells us a mission. His last words. It's not about what He's feeling or what He's going through. Jesus' last words as He leaves the earth and as He ascends up to heaven. Look what He says in verse um, 19. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I love the second thing about Jesus' last words. Is that He gives us a commission. He gives us a mission in life. To say, you know what? I want you, number one, to get right with me. But number two, I want you to go help other people. I mean, that's why Jesus is the most preached about person in our society. That's why there's so many Christian churches. Because God wants us. His followers to preach and share about what Jesus is teaching. That's the importance of our Christianity. It's like a, it's like a, a father or a mother. We want to leave behind our legacy. 
We want to make sure our kids are, are doing well, that they get a chance to go to school, that they're healthy, that they have food on the table, that they, they can have the opportunity to go to college, and after college they can start their own family. And what We want to leave a legacy behind. See, God wants to leave a legacy with each of us. Is that, hey, if you want to understand something, understand Jesus. If you don't, it's okay. Get in the Bible. Ask someone. It just, it's, it, it's going to help your heart grow and understand this thing called life that we're living. But number two, we've got to understand that Jesus wants to call us to the Great Commission. Yeah. It's, it's a universal commission. I mean, over 2,000 years ago, here we are still talking about Jesus. Why? Because I'm talking about Him. You know why? Because it's my job. And number two, you know why? Because my life has changed. You have no, you have no idea what I've been through. You have no concept of the sin that I've been faced with. You have no idea, but I know how you've been have no idea either. We all have a journey. We all have vices. We all have struggles. And I'm not here to lamb blast you and, and I'm not excited to make you feel worse. I'm just saying, guys, this thing on life is short. Let go of your pride and simply turn to Him. Allow Him to teach you what could it really hurt. Last week I said, what could really hurt? If you read the Bible once a week, what could it really hurt? I mean, you focus on your job 40 hours a week. Does that give you a return on emotions and feelings and teach you how to be a great dad? No. That teaches you to be more like the Joneses and to make more money and to, to focus on things. Guys, for me, what I'm saying is the commission is amazing. It says, Jesus says, therefore, go make disciples of not just African Americans and Caucasians, but all nations. That's why I love our church. It's not just one nation, one nation under God. It's what? A bunch of us from many nations coming to worship God. I mean, when I came to this church for the first time, I said, okay, it's definitely not a white church. And it's definitely not a black church. And it's definitely not just a Filipino church. There's kind of everybody here. And I think, you know, it's sad to say, but on Sunday, it's the most segregated day in our history. Every Sunday is the most segregated day. They go to their black church. They go to their white church. They go to their Latin church. They go to their, their Filipino church. And what they, we go to what's comfortable. I mean, Jesus' vision for his last words is, it's not just about going and making disciples of, of certain people, but everybody coming together. Man, woman, and child. Understanding that he wants us to help other people. First century faith is so important for us. Because we can get out of the box and forget the last words. And we can make Christianity what we want to make it. And well, I'm just going to focus on grace. Well, I'm just going to focus on love. Well, I'm going to focus on this. No, Jesus is saying, hey, follow me. I've got the credentials. And number two, here's what I want you to go do. Not with a guilty heart and not because you have to. But the important thing is because you should want to. Someone helped you. Why shouldn't you not help somebody else? See, by James Counts opening his mouth and just sharing with me the Bible, it's changed my life. See, it's taught me how to be a husband. The Bible's taught me how to be a friend. The Bible's taught me how to be honest. The Bible's taught me how to be open and secure. You know, for me, the challenge is the church is where we don't want to show our true colors. We want to come here. We want to look good. Get our new dress on. Get our new outfit on. Make sure it sounds good. Make sure you got the great worship program going. Make sure you have breakfast served. Sometimes church today can be just church. Can just be church. Just be a religion. When, when church is not meant to be just, just a religious act. 
Church is meant to be a ministry experience where you share life. That's what first century faith is about. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They broke bread where? In their homes. Not just in Artesia High School. I mean, church is about working together and helping together. But I think for me, Jesus is trying to help us understand we all got a different life. And we've all got a calling. But you've got to understand, if you don't know Jesus, you just don't know much. And Jesus has the answers for you. He can show you. Well, he's never been married, but he knows life. He knows the struggles that we have. And I'm a changed man. Only You imagine asking me, when I was 24, you're going to be a preacher. My dad, when I became a Christian in this church and I started working for the church, my dad said, what in the world are you doing? I can't. I spent how much money to send you to college and now you're going to work for a church? Okay, the big question, son, what are they going to pay you? Now, we don't have time. It's a whole different sermon. But to me, my dad was the first one to say, you need to go back and work for that church. When we came back in the ministry, the first person said, go work for the ministry. My dad said, my dad said you, you go back and work for that church. You, your marriage is amazing. Your kids are incredible. Now, it's not for me. That's my dad. But it's the best thing that you and May have ever done. Go back and work for that church. It was May's parents said, hey, you know, go back and go back in the ministry. You know, early on our Christian faith, they weren't fired up about us working for a church. Now they think it's the most amazing thing. Because why? We have simply read the scriptures, put into practice, and allow God to bear fruit in our life. I've become confident, secure, not because of me, not because of alcohol, not because of basketball, not because of my relationships, because I have security in the right things. My security is with God. Now, I still struggle with insecurity. I still struggle with what? Pleasing people. But you don't find that in the Bible. You find security in God in the Bible. And the things that mean the most. You know, for me, where there's great sacrifice and risk, there's great reward. You ever heard of a man by the name of Craig McCaw? Anyone ever heard of Craig McCaw? Well, I read his big biography and I fingered through it in college. I managed to get through it. And he began his mission of making money from thin air. In 1976, just three years out of college, he had a mission of wanting to be financially independent. And he risked everything he owned on the telecommunication industry. 18 years later, in 1994, he sold his company to AT&T for a cool $16.5 billion. Not too shabby for a guy who was dyslexic, who got C's and D's in college, and lost his mother and father when he was a freshman in college. Craig's strength is taking bold risks. You know Jesus? He's a risk risk taker as well. He risked everything. His own life. So that you and me can enjoy salvation with God. See, Jesus is the greatest risk taker alive. But see, this guy Craig, if he didn't didn't risk everything and put them all in and, and focus on it, he wouldn't have been as successful as he was. I think a lot of us, the reason why you don't experience incredible highs spiritually, because you're not investing in the spiritual things. When you invest in the spiritual things, spiritual growth happens. Let's remember the commission and mission that Jesus says to help others. Point number three that Jesus says in verse 20. You with me this morning? Matthew 28, verse 20. Verse A, segment A of the passage here. 
He says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You The thing I love, the third point about Jesus' last words is he had a commitment to community. He had a commitment to community. He says it's all about what? Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. See, the power of church is right here in the people. And church is not meant to go, hey, let me come on Sunday and get my needs met and leave. Church is an interactive sport. And what Jesus is saying is, He's a commitment to community. A commitment to teaching others to obey. Teaching others about Jesus. Not just becoming a Christian and being a part of the church and going, Oh, I made it! And just sitting here on a chair. But what? Being a part of helping other people in the fellowship. The thing I love about Jesus, His last words was He had a commitment to community. He says what? Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus is saying it's important for us to teach. You can't understand and hear the Bible if you don't read the Bible. And so for me, I appreciate the elders of our, our, our ministry. Doug Weber and Bob Henley. And this past Sunday, they really talked about really the, the spirit of where we're going with first century faith. And Bob and Doug, and Doug preached about it, talked about calling all of us to be more and more like students. To be involved in relationships on an intimate level, in a partnership level. To what? Teach each other to obey. Some of us, I think it's easy for us to kind of get independent. But God doesn't want us to be independent. He wants us to be dependent upon Him. But intermingling with each other to help us what? Obey the Scriptures. To help encourage our faith when someone's down to help us. So I appreciate the call for all of us to really be in a partnership, discipleship relationship. To be in there with each other, to help each other. The second thing I appreciate what they said is being a part of a small group. Guys, I love my Bible talk on Thursdays. I love it. Because that's where I can really be me. And I can talk about my struggles. And I can talk about what I'm going through. You know, for you, what's your outlet? Is it becoming the TV? Is it becoming your job? Is it becoming your neighbors? Is it becoming the money you're making? Is it becoming your job? Is it becoming your education? In and of itself, all those things are not wrong. But if that's all you got, you're focused on the wrong things. You've got to understand a commitment to community. Being a part of something. You know, many of us have been members for a while now. and You're not new at this stuff. You've heard it before. But do we have the heart of a disciple? See, a disciple is a learner. A student who's always learning. Y'all would like to encourage us this week to share, you know, what are you learning on a spiritual level or what do you need help with? I think when you start being open about those things and asking for perspective and asking for someone to help you, that's when you can begin to learn to have a commitment to community. Amen, church? You know, the the, the Olympics are coming up. And I am a fanatic when it comes to the Olympics. I love Olympics. The Olympics. Every four years, you count it. Now I'm going to watch it. I'm going to record it. I'm so stoked. I love the Olympics. Because it's, it's like the life of a disciple. You're chosen. You're going to represent your countries. You're going to compete in that sport against the best of the best. And you're going to run your race. You're going to swim in your lane. You're going to play that game. You're going to throw that archer as far as you can. And you're going to compete with other people. And yet there's a semblance of brotherhood in that competition. But the thing I love about the Olympics, these top athletes don't become the best top athletes by themselves. See, what do they have in their life? They have trainers. They have mentors. They don't just have the, the, the trainer above them. But they have mentors alike. 
See, partnership and discipleship is not just one over the other. It's a partnership coming together, letting you train each other, working together. Let us, let the Olympics inspire us to have other people, other mentors. Knock down some walls in your relationships and let somebody in. Let that person come and, and have a commitment to community in your life. And a lot of reasons why we don't ask is we feel shut down. Or we're afraid. Or we're running from something. Or if I tell them this, what are they going to think about me? I'm telling you guys, we are a church of imperfect people following a perfect Savior. You're all in the same boat. Don't think you're less than us or or better than us. I'm not better than you. I'm just more in touch with what i got to change. And I want to encourage us to have a commitment to community. Amen, church? And lastly, in closing, the Bible says in Matthew 28, verse 20, He says, and then surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, for me, the last point, and I think it should be probably the most important point, is that God and Jesus are our comfort. See, a lot of us go through pain. A lot of us go through struggles. But but the relationships we have cannot meet those struggles. It might for a little bit. It might, you know, mend the the, the suffering you're going through for the interim basis. But the last sentence always encourages me. That Jesus says, and surely I am with who? I am with you always. To the very end of the age. If this is the man who's got all authority in heaven and earth, and he's saying he's got your back, what's holding you back? from allowing Him to get you back. What's holding you back? You know, I've been in this church 17 years. And I, I'm only changed because there are men in the fellowship today that spoke the truth to me. That loved me enough to say, Hey Doug, how's it going? Hey Doug, how's it going in the area with taking care of your family? Hey Doug, how's it going in the area of purity? Uh-oh, yeah, the, the weather's getting warmer. The purity is being there. The world is taking their clothes off. But for me, I'm going to be Righteous. I want to walk this walk and say, I don't have to flaunt my stuff to get what I need. God's got my back. He's my comfort. He's my shield. I'm with you always. Let's not take Jesus' words in vain. Let's take Jesus' last words seriously. Let's honor Him. Let's honor His request. Let's, Let's honor the things that He shared about. See, life is short. As I shared earlier, as you wrote your last words, I want us to leave today to say, you know what? Where am I at spiritually? And what's an area that I really want to grow in? You know, one thing we handed out early in the year, and, and, and I hand this out every year. I'm, I'm big into dreams and visions, and I finally completed my dreams and vision sheet. And I'm just excited about, you know, what's, what's my spiritual lessons I learned last year? Well, what's my personal dreams for this year? What's my marriage and family dreams? And what's my faith group dreams? And what's my, my outrageous dreams? What are my outrageous dreams? I'm going to lay it out there. One of my outrageous dreams is I don't pray enough for my family to help them come to faith and come and find Jesus. And so I'm really devoted to 2012 to praying for my family every day. To find ways to serve them. To find ways to love them. To find ways to reach out to them. And not judge, but to embrace. And to show the Spirit that Jesus says... I'm with you always to the very end of the age. No matter how dire your situation is, no matter how challenging you feel you're in, I want you to understand one thing. Jesus can help you. 
Through all of Jesus' last words, He reminds us that God does not leave us. And He's going to help us. With Jesus having all the credentials needed, giving us a commission and a mission, calling us all to a commitment to community, and we're given and can find comfort from God and Jesus. Church, sky's the limit. Because I understand in closing, what we need the most is God. And the Bible says a passage has really been, been comforting to me. is Over the last uh, 2011 and uh, 2012, I've seen a number of people who have passed away, lost their fathers and lost their mothers. And in one area, I feel like, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always moved. <clears throat> when uh, someone loses somebody so dear to them. And as a minister, when I have the privilege and honor to comfort and help them find, find comfort, that, that, that and a beer is just not going to make you feel good. Um, that drug is not going to make you feel good. That, that movie, you might watch four in a row and try and think you're wallowing your sorrows in that movie to try and disappear and, and run away from the pain. But one thing I've learned as I've comforted people as they've lost their, their dads and their uncles and, and, and their mothers... Is, is this scripture in Isaiah 40. And I just want to share it with you and just listen, listen to it and we'll close off uh, as Amir can respond. But listen to what the Bible says. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged place a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out, you're struggling, you're having a hard time. And I say, what shall I cry? All people are like grass. And all human faithlessness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers from the fall, flowers fall, but because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Church, I want us to embrace Jesus. I want us to embrace first century faith. But I want us to embrace each other. And the word of God primarily, let it bring us together. Let it unite us. Let it encourage us. Let it inspire us. Let it challenge us. But most importantly, let it continue to bring us together to receive God's glory. I love you, church. Thanks for your time today. Have a great, great day. In God's name, amen.